0: All right, well, we're so glad everybody's here for part four of Crazy Makers. We've been doing this in our series with everybody uh, inside of our audience, and so do me a favor, look at your neighbor and tell them. come on, you know what you're going to say, tell them you're crazy. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him you're crazy. Yeah, all right. Look at your other neighbor, look at the other neighbor you didn't choose and say, I really wanted to say it was you because you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, we always pick the one that we, we didn't want to talk to, so anyway... Man, we're so glad that everybody's here. We're wrapping up our series called Crazy Makers today. It's an exciting series just talking about how to deal with difficult people. Why are we doing this series? Somebody asked me. I said, here's why we're doing it. It's because there are crazy people in your life, and if you don't know who the crazy person is in your life, you are that crazy person. And so we have to figure out how to deal with a difficult person in your life or deal with you because you're the difficult one. And so we wanted to talk about that because God has a lot to say about how to deal with difficult people. And you and I are talked to all the time through social media and culture and politics and everybody in the world has something to say about how to deal with difficult people. But if you and I call ourselves Christians, we should probably do what the Word of God says about how to deal with some difficult people. And so we did. We opened up the scriptures week one. We talked about how ultimately you can't deal with people properly unless you see yourself clearly. And so we talked about the first step to deal with difficult people is to start look in, then look out. So you have to realize the, the biggest and easiest way to deal with a difficult person is to realize that you yourself is some difficultness, all right? You are difficult. And so when we come to a realization, it's kind of like that idea, like you can't get help until you realize you need help, right? You got to realize you got a problem. And so we start with us first and then the other person. Week two, we talked about this idea about being patient and not offended, being patient and not offended, that it's so easy. It's almost like a badge of honor nowadays to walk around and be offended by something. If you're not offended at something right now, it's like you're not cool. And so God actually has a lot to say about offense and how actually not to be an offense and how it's a trap. We talked about that week two. By the way, you can get all this from our podcast if you're not subscribed to it already or go online, risechurchtx.com. And uh, some people are listening to that right now. Shout out to you electronic people. And so anyway, and so um, uh, that was what week two, week three, which was last week, we talked about, this is incredible. We talked about this idea of being Being kind and not right. Being kind and not right. Now, to me, a guy like me who I'm highly competitive, I want to win. I like to be right. I don't like to be wrong. And I want to show you how I'm right consistently every day, all the time, and then highlight for you where my rightness was. This spoke to me because what I realized and what we all realized and what we learned as a church was that some of the biggest things we can do to reach people and to connect with others is to be kind. Everybody say, I need need. to be kind. Okay, you just said it, all right? You told yourself you need to be kind, and so make sure you do that. And so this week, I wanted to wrap up this series, really this idea on, on dealing with difficult people by talking about the forgiveness topic, forgiveness. And so, um, you know, week two was kind of how to stay out of offense. Week three, which was last week, which is kind of what you do in the midst of possibility of offense. Now we're going to talk about today, like, what happens if you get offended? Because that's pretty easy. What happens when you actually get offended? What happens when you were wronged and now it's in your heart? How do you deal with that? We're going to talk about that today. So Ephesians chapter 4 is what we're going to be, Ephesians chapter 4. If you don't have your Bible, you can follow it online, uh, on, online on YouVersion, our YouVersion app. It's the Bible app. You can download the notes. You get all my notes ahead of time. So if you're one of those guys who like to look ahead in the story, you can get all of them right there. So YouVersion, search Rise Church, or you can see we'll put it up on the screens here for you. And uh, just before we read Ephesians, to give you some context to kind of what's going on, Paul writes uh, this book called Ephesians. Ephesians is simply a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. Ephesus, was a city. It was a port city, and what was interesting about this port city was uh, it was it was a very very high uh, concentrate of different denominations and religions and grows like. Uh, uh uh, uh, backgrounds and, and different theologies on how to do things. It was had a lot of different races and religions. It was a very much a, a port city. It was kind of like the West Coast or the East Coast, if you wanted to think about it, maybe a city of maybe San Francisco or something like that. And they were very, very, very interested in this thing called the occult and witchcraft and weird stuff. And so Paul's writing to this church, and he's writing to these people because he wants them to understand something about the blessing of God and how to live with some of these crazy difficult people. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, and it says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life, that there was this former, pause, there was this former way of things that you did before you found God. So I always find it funny that churches and Christians try to have people who don't know God act like they know God and do the things of God. It's weird to ask and have people do things that are Christian. You ask, it's like asking non-Christians to do things that are Christian-like, and they look at you sideways, and you're like, what do they look at me sideways? Well, they don't even know what you're talking about. They're still in the former life, right? They're still trying to figure out this thing called Christianity. And so he says, there's this former way, the old you. Put that away. Put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. It's always trying to come back. It's that guy you you were. Doesn't isn't that funny? That guy or that gal you were before God, before you met Jesus. It seems like he always seems to try to come back. It's like your he's like every time you get cut off in traffic, that old guy wants to come back and 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 you know show himself. It's weird. So anyway, verse twenty three says to be made new. Everybody say made new, made new, made new in the attitude. of of your minds and to put on, that's important, put on the new self created to be God, be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed but for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind. There's that kind word again. Last week's just creeping back up. It's like, Lord, I got the message. Stop telling me. Anyway, and Compassionate to one another. And this is our, our this is our, our word for the day, it's our thought. Forgiving, everybody say forgiving. forgiving. Forgiving each other just as God, Christ God forgave you. An interesting scripture and text uh, that Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. Why would he why would he say that? What what would what was he trying to say to us? And so our as we as we wrap up this series, our fourth and final point today if you're taking notes is forgive be quick to forgive be quick to forgive let's pray father we just thank you god today lord for this time together god i honor you today we, we honor you by just lifting up your name holy spirit and i pray that today father you would just be glorified in this place that you would be lifted up that you would take the words that i prepared and transform the hearts of the people god to make this not about me you do what only you can do right now holy spirit and speak to us in jesus name and everybody said amen, amen. Uh, how many of y'all in here have kids? Raise your hand if you have a child. We did parent-child dedication. All right. all right. Keep it up. Raise your hand. Raise it up back again. Everybody look around. We're kind of in a brotherhood, right? Y'all know what I'm saying? We're all, y'all, Y'all, we're making it right now. These are what I call the make-it brotherhood. Because here's the problem. Children have a certain way, at least my kids, have a certain way of pushing on every button that God made inside of me? Is it just me? I mean, is it, do your kids have the way of just kind of looking at you, doing something, making something, almost like they just found out they know you because they live with you probably, you know, and it's like they know how to get under your skin. Well, My children, I have five of them. They're, uh, I have uh, twin 10-year-olds. I have 7-year-old uh, Titus and 4-year-old uh, Judah. And then a brand new little baby. We call him little Squidget, little thing. He's. Uh, we call his name's Winston, and we call him Winnie the Pooh. And he's actually Winnie the Pooh today. At uh, in in the thing, he's so cute. We should have brought a picture of him because he just looks like. He well, don't even need the belly. He's already got it. So it's. Uh... <laughs> but my kids have, have an interesting thing. I practice forgiveness probably more with my children now than I ever thought I would, do, and uh, and and here's why. Because they just do things because they're kids. And I remember one time, when went for my birthday, we were uh, going to Washington, D.C. I wanted to see all the, you know, the monument, and I wanted to see the some of the museums and see some of the Capitol and see all that stuff. I love I that. I was I, a political science major in, in college and the university, and uh, just loved just seeing all that kind of stuff. And and uh, we were there, and I got this thing. We went over, we went all the cool food places because it's incredible food places, and, and went around, and I saw all these amazing, you know, statues and all these incredible artifacts and stuff. You can only see in Washington, D.C. This is the Capitol. Capitol, you know, and I was there, and I'm just like mesmerized. You know, you're sitting on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, and you're looking at that water, and you're just like, oh my gosh, so much history's here. And you're, you're just like thanking God. And I'm like touching the Lincoln Memorial. I'm like praying for our nation. You know, because I'm a pastor, because I'm supposed to do that. And so I'm like all this stuff. You know, and I'm just it's like incredibly like uh, just humbling to stand in all these areas. And then I saw this like little store kind of off to the side of the Lincoln Memorial, and I'm like, oh, I want to go see this store. Now I don't know if you're like me, but I like these little trinkets. I like buying things. I like buying the little, um, uh, what are they, the Keychains, you know, souvenirs. I like little souvenir things and I like just getting stuff like that. I'm the guy they make money off of all, okay? So I like going and buying all that stuff. Where you could probably buy it at Walmart for 99 cents, but they charge you 35 95 for it. And so uh, I like it because I was in it. But I was in there and I was looking around and I was seeing all like the shot glasses and I'm like, I can't buy that. I'm a pastor. And I'm like, I, I can't get, it. you know, I see like the gun and I'm like, oh, well, there's a gun right there. I don't know, you know, it's, it's, there's an inscription on it, but it was like $1,000. I'm like, I don't have $1,000. And so I'm like looking around and I get to the front. Of this uh, of the register, and I pull out, and there was this flag, this Lincoln Memorial flag, and it was the flag back when he was uh, campaigning for president that he would hand out to uh, all of the people that were going to vote for him. You know, while he was doing the campaign trail, and it was cheap. And so I'm, you know, I'm cheap. So I'm like, that's cheap. Okay. I'm going to buy that. And I will remind remember, maybe remember of the, the Lincoln Memorial. And so uh, I bought the flag and I'm like taking care of this flag. I put it in plastic and cause I wanted to kind of save it for my office, you know, and I wanted to like keep it. So it was like, Pristine, and maybe put it in a frame and you know, and all this kind of stuff, and I could say, yeah, that's a Lincoln Memorial flag, and people wouldn 't know if I bought it for ninety nine cents at the place, but anyway, so i 'm like I grabbed it, and I put it and i 'm saving it, so I get home, and my kids are you know I get home, and they're like, Hey, Dad, how you doing? I missed you, and they' the first thing they ask what every kid asks what, what, what is it what would you get me right What'd you get me? And I was like, well here 's what I got you. I came home, and you have a roof over your head, and you are just so blessed. I came back to you you're welcome, and so <laughs> And, and, uh, and so they, they're like, oh, okay. So I went to the restroom, and then, uh, which was, that's where it all went wrong. And I went to the bathroom, and I came back out, and all of my stuff was out of my, my, my suitcase. And I thought maybe my wife, but it was, it was strewn about. And I was like, what is this? And then I hear um, laughing in the front room. Now, if you're a parent, and you hear laughing or screaming in a room, that is not yours, and you are not there. That's dangerous. So I'm like, uh-oh, and I walk out, and I see my Lincoln Memorial flag they have out, and they weren't just playing with it. Church, they had scissors, and they uh, they desecrated <laughs> the Lincoln Memorial flag. And they cut pieces off of it, and they waved it around. And I promise you, I forgot, I forgot to bring it. I have it still. Uh, I forgot to bring it. I was going to bring it out and wave it around. And you barely, it kind of f- flops around. And, and, I, and I was just looking. I remember looking at my kids, and it was, you know, first time, first time that I really looked at them and like, I could, I, I, could, I could get rid of you and be okay with it right now. I could be okay with it. I really would. I, I, I'm pretty sure I could get, I got two of you. There's one, you're exactly the same. You look exactly the same. I pick one and it wouldn't matter. And, and so I could, I'd have you and you'd still be gone. And, uh, and I'm just contemplating that in my life. And my wife comes in, she's full of grace and love and oh, I I mean, uh, and I just want to punch them, you know? And it's like, and I'm trying to walk through it, and I had to work on this thing called forgiveness. And it's crazy because, you know, the more you deal with people and the more you deal with issues and your kids and your wife and your family and your uncle and your cousin and your family that you don't like when you only see them at, you know, Christmas time, and that's about to come up, and I'm nervous. Anybody else nervous about Christmas coming up because you're about to see all the people that you have to see? You don't really want to see them, but you have to see them. And since you have to see them, there's something inside of you. You're like, I guess I have to be okay. Well, there's a lot of that in our life. And so a lot of us kind of walk through this idea of forgiveness. And I wanted to talk about it because, you know, honestly, there's so much Um, the Bible has to say about forgiveness, but there's also a lot of what I would call Christian misnomers, like they're Christianese thoughts about forgiveness that are not biblical and are not even wise, and yet we do them because we think that's what God would have us do with forgiveness. And so I want us to be careful because Paul talks about this warring Old self and this revitalized new self inside of us, and he he said, pick the new one. You don't want the old one because the old one's mean and ugly and nasty, and you ran away from the old one. You don't want any of him or any of her. I promise you, they're bad news. And he says, put on this new self, this forgiveness self. And so I wanted to pull out just in the Greek what what forgiveness meant. It was a fascinating idea, and it was, it was this, uh, the word, I want to put it up for you, and uh, put it up, there goes, and it's, it's, it's harizomai, everybody say that, say that, harizomai. harizomai. Yeah, you guys are Bible scholars, so harizomai, it means to show favor, to pardon, or to show kindness. One theologian wrote it like this, this is a, my favorite definition of forgiveness, I want this to be our working definition, biblical working definition for you and for me moving forward from today. It says, favor that conceals, I love that it's favor that conceals forgiveness is this new self where you walk around in your relationships to people and say i'm going to have give you lend you offer you everything you didn't give me favor that conceals and so today i wanted to walk through four things of forgiveness. Four things that forgiveness isn't and four things that forgiveness is. And by doing that, my goal, here's my desire today. Our desire is that you would see forgiveness differently because some of us have a different idea, a misunderstanding of forgiveness. And if, if you have a misunderstanding of forgiveness, what happens is, is it can keep you from forgiving. And I want to I give you, here, here, if, here's my, my thesis today. I want to give you every reason to forgive. I want to give you every reason to forgive. You might have heard many great sermons on why you should forgive. I'm not even going to go there today. I think it's a good idea. It's in the Bible. Let's just assume you think Bible ideas are good. Let's just all assume that. But I want to give you an opportunity to try something you might have had a different definition for. So four things, four myths and truths about forgiveness. Number one is this, forgiveness isn't denying or forgetting. Some can't forgive right now because you feel like for, in order for you to forgive, you need to forget. You ever heard that great statement that all the, the world seems to have pulled pull apart? It says, forgive and? Forgive. Come on, like you mean it, say forgive and? Forgive. And it's like this thing like, well, yeah, that's in the Bible, right? Forgive and forget. No, hold, 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 hold on. Forgiveness isn't, doesn't necessarily, it could be, but it's not always. And some of us in here don't forgive right now because you feel like I need to get to the point of forgetting what happened, forgetting the offense that happened inside of my life so that I can actually forgive them. That's not necessarily true. Sometimes wisdom would actually tell you you need to remember in order to forgive. Because you need to remember what happened. You need to understand it's not ignorance. We talked a little bit about this in week two, about this idea that so many people teach Christianity. like It's like pretending like we're all Christian hippies and the world is all good. And every, you know the universe is love and idea is great. That's not what forgiveness is. That's not even what biblical love or kindness is. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying we need to come in here and hug everyone. Some people don't need to be hugged. Actually, some wisdom would say don't hug them. Because they're wolves and they will hurt you. And so forgiveness in so many ways has been taught. Forgiveness is forgetting. That's not necessarily true. Some of us, in order to forgive, are going to have to look past. Everybody say, look past. If you miss week two, this is a review for you. You're going to need to actually, sometimes to get out of offense... So there was this patience, right, that kept you getting into offense, was looking past somebody who hurt you. Sometimes you got in it, you're stuck in it. There's a hurt and offense right now inside of your life. I don't even need to have you think about it. You know the person that hurts you. You know the offense that happened with you. And here's what I'm telling you: the more biblical thing to do than forgetting is actually learning how to get past it and look past it. Romans, talk, Proverbs talked about that in ten, twelve. It says, "Love overlooks the wrongs that others do, looking past the offense." so that you can forgive for you and for them. That's good. If anybody wants to amen, that's the part to amen. All right, number one. Number two, I got to move quickly because I got like 12 points today. All right, number two, uh, forgiveness isn't enabling someone. It isn't enabling someone. Some of us in here struggle to forgive simply because you actually think that in your forgiveness, you are going to enable them to do it again. I counsel a lot, uh, just being a pastor, and I remember counseling with this, Uh, With with a wife who who had a husband who you know was you know not a great husband to her You know, they were working on things and they were trying to work stuff out and It wasn't anything terrible But she felt like she couldn't forgive because she felt like if she forgave It would enable him to do it again and again and again in her life And you and I sometimes reason like that a little bit like i'm not going to forgive that person because if I do They're just going to do it again Actually, whether you forgive them or not. Here's the truth. They could do it again So if you're waiting for someone, waiting to forgive someone or not forgiving because you feel like it's going to enable them, you're going to be waiting a long time. And matter of fact, it won't decide whether or not they're going to hurt you again. It just decides whether or not you're going to live in this bitterness prison that Paul talks about. So forgiveness isn't enabling someone to make sure that they're going to do it again. It has nothing to do with that. Forgiveness has more to do with you than it does with them. And so Proverbs chapter 13 says walk with the wise become and you become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. It's so much about life. I think when you live with people it's a risk. And I think because we're so risk averse in this world and if you're a personality type, like a high C personality type, if you know the DISC test that we use, and we kind of helps you identify who you are. If you're a high C, risk is not your friend. You don't like risk. And there's some people who don't like risk. Hurt people don't like risk. Because when you, when, if you're hurt and you bring up this idea of a relationship, the very fact of you being with someone gives you, puts you in the risk of getting hurt. And so because we live in that world, we can get into this thing called fear. Y'all ever heard of that? I mean, we're in October. It's close to Halloween. And if you're not careful, your fear can drive you in all of your relationships. It could drive you out of all of your relationships. But the Bible talks about us righteous live by faith. We are faith-driven people, not fear-driven people. Be careful you don't walk around going, well, no, if I do that, then just, I'm afraid that you're just going to do that again. If I do that, I'm afraid that you're just going to... Hold on, you, you're, you're a man and woman of, of faith. So therefore, we believe that God is good in regardless of our circumstances, and we believe God is good regardless of what people do and how they treat us. We forgive them because that's what we should be doing. Number three is this. It's, a respo- it's not a response to an apology. Some people can't forgive someone because they're waiting. You are waiting right now for someone to say sorry. We think of it like this. It's, it's all concentric. It's all linear thinking. I get offended. I wait. Waiting for the apology. Someone apologizes, then I forgive. Some of you, that's how we think. Like, that's linear thinking. That makes sense, pastor. That's me. That make, That's absolutely. Show me where that's in the Bible. It's not. Because the problem is, is if you're waiting for someone to apologize, you hurt you, what happens to the person? What if you got hurt by someone who's, who's no longer on this earth? She, they, they died. What if you got hurt by someone a long time ago when you were a little kid? You don't even know where they are. You couldn't find them to have them apologize to you, and you're holding on to it. And you're saying, I'm waiting for them to apologize. They need to apologize before I forgive. That's not true. What if, you meet, what if someone offended you that doesn't think they're wrong? Come on. You met them? You ever walked up to those people and you were like, hey, I forgive you? They're like, for what? (laughs) You're trying to be Christian, you turn instantly. Your eyes go back in your head, you're just ready to punch, you know? (laughs) Now, you need to forgive me, punk, you know? Can I say punk as a pastor? Anyway, sorry. All right. If you're looking for a perfect pastor, that ain't your church, I promise you. (laughs) But it's not. It's not a response to an apology, Ephesians chapter 4 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Why? Why do we do it? Hold on. Why do we forgive? Because Christ forgave you, not because they said sorry. You're going to be challenged. You already probably are. You're probably waiting for it right now. Don't wait for it. Just forgive them. Let it go. Everybody say, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. go. (laughs) They won't let me sing. I want to sing. They won't let me. We forgive because, because Jesus forgave us. Remember, that. I'll even tell you that every major religion, just so you know, every major religion in the world teaches forgive when someone says they're sorry. Christianity is the only major religion. Listen, the only major religion that teaches you should forgive even when they don't. People say, being a Christian is easy. No, it's not. Number four. Reconciliation, forgiveness is not reconciliation. Please, if you miss any part of this message and you checked out and you're checking Facebook, please just listen just this once. This is so important because people use Jesus and Christianity in a wrong way and it hurts them. I'm I'm telling you this as a pastor who's seen it, okay? It's not reconciliation. Some people can't forgive right now because they feel like if they forgive, it's going to go back. It needs to go back to the way it was that's not right. It's not. It's not reconciliation. It's not saying that things are going to go back the way that it was. I remember talking to a lady, and it was heartbreaking. It was in California, where I'm from, and I was pastoring out there. And, uh, I was at a, a big church and she came up and we started counseling and she said we were counseling through and she 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 walked she came into my office one day and and it was me and, and her, her husband and and they were sitting there And she says i'm struggling right now with forgiveness I don't understand why god would do this and I said well tell me what happened and she said well my my dad Growing up he physically abused me He physically assaulted me as, as I was growing up and I heard this great sermon about forgiveness hear me now This is important I heard this great sermon about forgiveness, and so I felt in my heart I needed to forgive him. And I said, that's good. Well, what happened? She goes, well, I forgave him. And because forgiveness, well, you know, I, I forgave him. I just said, well, I forgave him. Let's just, we'll continue to have a relationship. And he said, I brought my, my, my dad into my life, and then he abused my, my daughter. And I don't understand how I can serve a God that says, we need to do that. And now, all of a sudden, my daughter's hurt because of forgiveness. And I said, hold on. And I cried with her. And I hugged her. And I was sad for her. Because someone told her that if you forgive someone, it needs to go back to the way that it was. And that's not true. Bible. Biblical forgiveness. Remember, it's built on wisdom. Wisdom. And all relationships, hear me, if you missed any, if you're tweeting or Facebook, anything, do this, okay? All relationships, Christian or not, should be conditional. Love is unconditional. Christian love is unconditional. You can love everyone. God calls us to love everyone. But you are released in Jesus' name to not be in relationship with everyone. Shame on churches and on pastors like me who tell you you need to be in relationship with everyone. That's not true. Wisdom would say if you were actually Christian, you need to be careful. Go back to Matthew 18. Jesus has a lot to say about relational connection. That if somebody continually offends you and hurts you and physically hurts you and mentally hurts you and emotionally hurts you, it's not your responsibility as a Christian to continue getting be in the Christian punching bag. That's not Christian. Jesus actually says, treat them like a tax collector, someone who doesn't even, they're not even classified as sinners, that you actually need to break relationship because it'll protect you the longer you're in relationship with someone who doesn't get it, who doesn't treat you like who you are, a son and a daughter of the king, the more you'll be hurt. So relationships are conditional. That includes, church, that includes your family. I love family. I'm a family guy. Family is my thing. I have a big old family. All right? This is not an excuse to break off relationship with your family. However... If you set biblical guidelines and boundaries in your life that your family consistently offends and violates, it's your responsibility to inform them properly through Matthew 18. There's a system of restoration. There's a system of confrontation. Go back to week three. Go listen to my podcast last week from week three. We talked about confrontation. The goal is restoration. But eventually enough is enough. Now, they can come back after things have changed, things have been adjusted, but be free in here, y'all, to forgive without feeling like you need to go back into the prison of relationship with some people. Come on, that's good. Forgiveness. All right, I'll get off my soapbox. The last ones will be fun. All right, this is what forgiveness is, all right? Forgiveness is, it's for you. It's not for them. It's for you. Forgiveness frees us not them. Bitterness is a prison. It's a man-made prison. Unforgiveness is a man-made prison we create that only hurts us. How do you know if you're in the prison? How do you know? Well, that's a good question. I'm so glad you asked. Have you ever had one of those? Uh, there's some signs that you're in a forgiveness prison, unforgiveness prison. Uh, imaginary conversations. Y'all ever do that? If they were right here, right now, this, I'm t- I would say this, and then I would say this, and then I'm gonna have this, and then when they say that, I'm gonna say this a couple of times. And then after I'm done saying this, and then I have a Jesus juke, and then this, and then I have a verse for this, and then I have this, and I tell them I'm not Christian, and I walk away. I win. And you're that person who's like in the car, and you're all talking, and people are looking at you like, person's crazy. Sleepless nights can't go to sleep just keep thinking about it you're in a prison if you dread seeing them that person that hurt you i can't is are they here i've i've had people come. i can't come to your church pastor i'm like well, number one it's not my church what and they're like well i can't come to rise anymore well, why well because someone is there, they hurt me and i if i see I, i'm afraid i'm gonna see them again I'm, what huh you're, you're caught in a prison you're giving them mental real estate. They don't even know you' you ever you ever talk to somebody you're like, I forgive you and they're like, "I didn't even know I hurt you. I didn't I, okay, thank you. I, I didn't even know I was, uh, yeah, I'm in your head. I didn't even know I was in your head. I'm in your head. You get thrown off when you accidentally run into them? Or you know, even worse, you wish ill on them. Like you you hope something bad happens to them. That's a prison. It only hurts you. Psychologists actually say most people in depression, 99% of the people that are caught in depression have some level of unforgiveness in their life. Psychology, science. See, science in the Bible work. <laughs> it's science. Luke chapter 6 says, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Why does he say that? It wasn't godly practice. It was godly protection. freeze you. Number two is this. Forgiveness is canceling a debt. Canceling a debt. It's walking through this idea that you have Real offenses. Your father left you. Your mom left you. Your uncle hurt you. Your cousin hurt you. Your 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 you know your 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 wife might have said something. Your husband, uh, you know, hurt you somehow. Your, your 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 there's some level in your life somebody hurt you. Your boss didn't promote you. Something happened. It's not that it didn't happen. Forgiveness isn't forgetting. Forgiveness is remembering and saying, "Listen." I am understanding that there's a debt to be paid, except you're not going to pay it. Jesus already did, and I'm just going to accept his payment because his payment's way better. Number three is this. I got one amen. All right, God, great. Uh, Forsaking revenge. Number three is forgiveness is forsaking revenge. It's saying that I am not going to go and get my justice. That's temple thinking. Y'all ever get, you know, we're like, well, Pastor, it's in the Bible, eye for an eye. You're absolutely right. That was temple Mosaic law, that was temple thinking. That was a, you're a, such a good Old Testament Bible scholar. <laughs> However, we are a New Testament church. Jesus brought a new covenant, and you are a new creation. And so Paul says, put off the old self, because oh man, get rid of that old guy. Put on the new self, because you have a new covenant, which says when someone hurts you, bless them, Man, it was e- wasn't it easy when back in when Mosaic law was around when you could just check off all the boxes of being Christian and then it was all good. Now you don't have no boxes to check. Jesus checked all the boxes and now you got to be like a real Christian and walk around and actually forgive people and actually not wish ill on someone and try to get your own kind of justice. That sounds harder to me. But it's a lot. More freeing. And listen, it's actually a lot easier because it has nothing to do with you. Because I'm not good at that. And you might be in here and say, oh, I'm not good at that. Well, good. Jesus really is. And the more you have Jesus in your life, you'll forsake revenge. And the last one is this. I'm going me just go back, number three real quick. It's not that justice won't happen. It's just not going to come from your hands. Let it come from God's hands. He's better at it than you, I promise. He knows what they need. Well, I know know how to get them. I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them. Let God get them. You get you, all right? Don't let God get you. You get you, and God will get everyone else. All right. Number four is this, and I'm wrapping it up. Forgiveness is a process. I don't want to, you know, I made light on some of this. Just so you all know, forgiveness and money are the two toughest things as a preacher to preach about. Because all y'all's faces look like this. Because I'm talking about forgiveness, and in order to talk about forgiveness, you have to talk about and think about the thing that you need to forgive. And I understand that. And so I'm trying to make it light, but I'm trying to give you some really hard, deep truths here. But it's also a process. And it's not an overnight thing, it's not a one hit wonder. It's not something you're going to go, I forgive them. Wow, that was good. <laughs> I'm like a really Christian. Forgiveness is going to take years for some people. Forgiveness is a process. Forgiveness takes moments after moments after moments. The Bible says in Philippians, it says, work out your own salvation. There's this working out. It's not work to your own salvation. Jesus already paid for that. We're not works-driven. We're grace-driven. But working out your salvation is this thing where you're going to have to work some things. Like it's, i got to build this thing called forgiveness. and Every day I'm going to have to wake up and forgive them again and wake up and forgive her again, and wake up and forgive again, and wake up and forgive again. In fact, they, they, they talked to Jesus about this. They said, hey, how many times do we have to forgive? And he made up this arbitrary number. He says times seven, seven times 70, 70 times 70. And they're like, well, and so they start calculating. He goes, you missed it. <laughs> you, you missed it. The answer is forever. The answer is it's a process. The answer is somebody who hurts you deeply, it's gonna t- and it took a long time to offend you, it might take a long time to walk out of it. And so I'm not saying that it's going to be an easy thing or it's going to be an instant thing. What I am saying is that at the end of the day, it might take a daily working, a daily step of forgiveness for you to ultimately see Jesus. And I'm going to end with this. i want to read you a, uh, a story. I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a big reader. I love books. I read. I have like four of them on my nightstand right now. And, um, But one thing I like about reading books is they always tell stories inside the books. You know, I'm a leadership. I might mainly read leadership books. <laughs> I see how that sounds like. Well, of course they tell stories, Pastor. It's a book. But, I read leadership books. Those don't always have stories in them, but sometimes they do. And uh, to clarify that, <laughs> y- y'all need to pray for me. So anyway, um, but I was reading a book, and I'm closing with this thought. I want you to hear this. Listen, this is a story about Leonardo da Vinci. I just want to read it to you because this is so, this is so good for us as church-going people. If you're not a Christian in here, you guess what? This is what's awesome. You could take part in this now and start seeing all the goodness, things, good, cool things of God. And reap the benefits of it now. Even you don't have to be a Christian. Not cool. That's how good God is. So, anyway. Story goes: This says, at the time Leonardo da Vinci painted the Last Supper. He had an enemy who was a fellow painter. Da Vinci had a bitter argument with this man, and despised him. And when da Vinci painted the face of Judas Iscariot, uh, painted the face of Judas Iscariot at the table, he used the face of this guy, of his enemy. So that it would present for ages as the man who betrayed Jesus. So you're talking about like, you think Facebook is bad, blasting somebody on Facebook? Imagine being Leonardo da Vinci and be like, listen, homie, you're about to be set up forever. And he says he took delight while painting this picture, knowing that all others would actually notice the face of his enemy on Judas. As he worked on the faces of the other disciples, he often tried to paint the face of Jesus. This is important. But couldn't make any progress. Da Vinci felt frustrated, confused, irritated, but in time he realized what was wrong. His hatred for the other painter was holding him back from finishing the face of Jesus. Only after making peace, listen, only after making peace with his fellow painter, his enemy, In repainting the face of Judas, he was able to paint the face of Jesus and complete his masterpieces, what we now know as the Last Supper. I think as a pastor, the hardest thing for me is to see people who are so close to seeing the face of Jesus but can't because of some offense or hurt that has happened to you in your life. And I want to share with you, I recognize that you are hurt. And I know that there are some pains that can't be even explained. There are some offenses that can't be sugarcoated, and they can't be pushed away. And sometimes they can't be prayed away. I want you to know, I'm so sorry. I hurt for you as a pastor, as a friend, maybe a brother in Christ, but you don't have to hurt anymore. You don't, you don't have to hurt. And the one thing that's keeping you from Jesus right now might be forgiveness. And I hope that today I made a case to give you permission to let go, to walk out of the prison that you're in, not that they're in, that you're in, and go see your Savior, Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I I thank you, God, that you forgave us. You taught us. You showed us what it was like to forgive. You showed us what it was like to let go. You showed us what it was like to be forgiven. And I honor you today, God, for that. Teach us to forgive. Give us the strength to forgive. Give us the hope to forgive. Give us the peace to forgive. Give us the wisdom to forgive. Give us the the patience to forgive. Give us the insight to forgive. Give us the courage to forgive. Give us the discipline to forgive. Give us the love, the life, the liberty, the hope, everything that you are, give us that to give to you.